as runners, it's important to pay attention to our bodies or how our bodies responds to the stresses of running. We have to be sensitive to its needs. If we are, it will perform magnificently. But as you know, if we disregard these responses, we can push ourselves into pain and injury. Who wants that? I know I don't. I've seen a lot of people get injured over the years. But of course, everyone's different in terms of their training needs, in terms of what works for them and what doesn't. You just have to find out what works for you through experimentation and through trying out different methods. And with a little fine-tuning, you can make your training safer and more productive. That's what we want. This is Ray Gerard. Welcome to episode 17. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the Rookie Runners Podcast, a show that explores the challenges and conversations runners are having as they begin their running journey. We run to become the best versions of ourselves, embrace the process, and enjoy each and every step. Now, here's your host, Ray Gerard. Embrace the process and enjoy each and every step. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hope you are well. The month of March is upon us. And the month of March and beyond promises some better weather and some live racing opportunities. As runners, we look forward to those live racing opportunities, right? Last time I had a live race was in March of 2020. So it's been a year. So for the entire year, I've been doing virtual racing. I've got a tired of virtual racing. So I'm really looking forward. I think uh, I have uh, something set up for April. Should be my first live race, and I'm looking forward to it. And of course, the weather is getting better, especially here in my neck of the woods. So I've been doing a lot more running, and things are going well. The Unforgiving Fitness team kicked off its March Madness. What's that, you say? March Madness, which uh, started on March 1st, of course, (laughs) is a competition where the goal is to complete as many miles as you can, run or walk, I like that, by the end of the month. And I am all in. Shout out to the entire Unforgiving Fitness team and Captain Joel Almonte. You can find them on Instagram at UNFRGVN Fitness. So check him out. But even though I'm participating, at the same time, I'm making sure that my approach is smart and productive. Because as you know, I don't want to introduce too much mileage and uh, end up being injured. That's not good either. But speaking of which, I've made some tweaks in my training recently. I've started incorporating some run-walk intervals. And it's been working out well for me. My favorite interval is three minutes run and one minute walk. I've read the Jeff Galloway training concept, which includes a run-walk-run method. Jeff Galloway proposes this method as a way to incur less fatigue after a long run, deliver all the running benefits without exhaustion or pain, and just less overall stress on the body over time. It's worked well. And in fact, it works well for a lot of people. One of my friends, Andrea McHugh, she was on episode two, ran 5,000 miles in 2020 using a run-walk method in a good portion of her runs. When I asked her, how does she stay injury-free while running 5,000 miles in one year? Her response was, she runs easy most of the time. That's a good lesson that we can all benefit from. If you want to hear more from Andrea McHugh, listen to the Rookie Runners podcast, episode two. 
And coming up in segment two, my friend Drew Milden is standing by. He is a former athlete, a former high school track athlete and podcaster. He will be talking about his running journey and podcasting, of course. We're both podcasters and runners, so we have to talk about both, right? For sure. So I'll be right back with my conversation with Drew Milden. Hello, Drew. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Glad to have you on the show. We met on the Clubhouse app. Uh, for those that are not aware of the Clubhouse app, it's a live audio app. And I think audio is the future direction that social media is taking. Audio has been around for a while now, but hasn't been embraced at the scale that we're seeing now. Even uh, podcasting has grown exponentially in the last four or five years. Now, Clubhouse has taken audio, live audio, to another level. How did you get on Clubhouse? So I got on Clubhouse uh, through a friend. He just kind of shot me a uh, text message, and he was just trying to get me into Clubhouse to learn a little bit more about business because it was in the beginning of Clubhouse, there was a lot of business-minded clubs. Yes. Um, and he was trying to... Um, put me on to how to about this whole PPP loans it was a couple of things about Black Wall Street how to create your business and how to sustain your business definitely with me um, creating uh, the Truly Genius Company LLC to help promote a podcast and podcast branding and things like that so that's how I got on Clubhouse and I haven't left since that's great and speaking of live audio now Twitter has spaces which is a live audio app they're trying to improve upon what Clubhouse has done. And now Facebook is reportedly working on a version of a live audio platform as well. So it's interesting. Let's get right into it. You and I have two things in common. We're both runners and podcasters. So we can comfortably talk about running styles and as well as podcast microphones. We will be talking about both today. So first, let's dig into the running. When did you start running and what got you started? Oh, man. Um, I think everybody starts running as a child, right? Um, yeah, right? And yeah, <laughs> the I, I think it's the, exactly. It's the one thing you can do that's free <laughs> majority of the times. Uh, so uh, I began running actually like competitively when I was in junior high school. And uh, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. And a lot of the PSIL, they had mm -hmm. clubs and things like that where you can join. And again, it was pretty inexpensive to do. So you just had to have some running shoes and you had to show up, yes, <laughs> basically. Yes. And you got, you got everything from there. And growing up in a Caribbean culture, you know, a lot of the fastest runners in the world are from the Caribbean. Um, Caribbean. So like... A lot of the times I would see people, you know, in high school and college that kind of looked like me that were escaping the, the circumstances I was in um, through track and field and things like that. So that really got me into running in junior high school. And then proceeding for that, it was just, you know, a story journey after that. And actually, Another story on top of that sure. is that my mother and my father were track and field um, people as well. My mother was the track and field uh, manager, and my dad was actually a track star in his own right as well. So wow. I came from a good track lineage. 
to say the least. That's excellent. And you know what? I just learned something new about you. You lived in Brooklyn. So did I. I got my start in Brooklyn. Nice. And I'm from a Caribbean background as well. So I can <laughs> definitely appreciate where you're coming from. So uh, you left Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I'm currently in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I took a... Uh, I had to get out of there, man. <laughs> I yeah. had to get out of there. <laughs> I still have family there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. And me too. And, um, you know, obviously since, you know, this uh, this time frame um, mm-hmm. has been a little difficult for them at the moment. But needs to say Brooklyn has changed from definitely from when both of us probably grew up there or were there at the time. And it's, yes. it's a... Uh, Indeed. Yeah. It, the culture is a little bit different. It but is. I love it nonetheless. For sure. You ran the 800, the 400, and the 200 meters. That means you were fast. That's how I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Those events are usually reserved for the guys that have, been, that have both speed and endurance. I know because I ran the 400 meters in high school, and it takes a lot to compete in those successfully. What was your favorite event? Um, honestly, my favorite event was the 200. So mm-hmm. I wasn't super, super duper fast that I can be competitive in a hundred, but my, uh, turn on a, definitely a bank track indoors on a 200 was monstrous. That was ah, my, like, gotcha. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you come out, uh, it was called, um, the place I used to run in high school. And that's where I kind of had my most, um, prophetic, uh, times as a track runner um, was the armory and I it had this bank that you come down and you just eat people alive when you t- when you go in there mm-hmm. and I used to love just coming off that 100 meter the first 100 and just coming down that bank and just going that straightaway and just striding to victory so that was my favorite and it was so powerful yeah. to be able to um, overtake somebody during that sh- it was it's a long it's not a quote unquote long race. It's a, it's a long sprint, mm-hmm. but it's a short quote unquote race. But to overtake somebody in that amount of time, definitely when it's a armory, like in the armory where it's just one lap around, it was so much fun to me. And you see all your friends in the stands, things like that. And, you know, you get on the track, you get off. It was just, it was a powerful moment. And I, I love that event so much. I actually, <laughs> I fantasize about it a lot. Yeah. That, <laughs> those those good old days. The crowd drives you. You know, when you hear the crowd mm-hmm. uh, screaming and yelling your name, it's awesome. And not too many uh, track athletes can successfully maneuver around that turn at the armory. So mm-hmm. you did it well and you showed that you could uh, be competitive. That's awesome. You went on to win state championship, right? And the 4 by 200 yeah. that was a relay. That must have been the highlight of your track career to be able to call yourself a state champ in high school is a huge accomplishment. Congrats on that. And that qualifies you to be called a track star as well. So in my book, you are. And uh, I think all that high school athletes that do well at one point or another, they have to dream. You, you just spoke about dreaming about those past races. Did you ever at one point dream about the Olympics to get to at one point? Actually, I did not. Okay. Um, I never, I never had a idea of what I was going to do after high school track and field. Um, okay. I knew I was going to try to pursue it in college, 
and you know it because it was something that excited me something i i loved it's like any sport if you've done it for so long you become immersed in the culture of it and i was part of track and field so i knew i was going to be a part of it but i didn't know if i was actually going to be you know i was realistic with myself (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't so good that i felt like i was you know, I was breaking records here and there. I was going, you know, I was going to different events. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. I was going to different events and things like that. But I wasn't, I was being realistic about myself. So I always had a technology background. knew that was going to be my thing um, to uh, pursue in higher education. Um, but good, cra- crazy story about my track career, though, if I may go back. Sure. Um, I So in high school, I actually got kicked off the track team my junior year hmm. and in high school i i had a a pretty good temper and uh one time uh we went to a meet at the armory and i was told i wasn't running um even though i made it up there and you know coming from brooklyn all the way to the um, basically upper bronx lower bronx upper Manhattan mm-hmm. uh, was a journey for me, obviously, and I had to use my own money and things like that. So I was upset at my coach for telling me that I had to come up there, and then it was a whole ordeal. So at one of the event, one of the practices, I had a blow up on my coach, and needs to say um, I got kicked off the team. Um, and this is a story of oh, how you should sometimes. This is how I learned about humility mm-hmm. and how to be a good person because I had that I got kicked off and then I I said what the heck am I doing here why uh, why was I acting like a spoiled brat why was I acting like I was the chosen one when I knew I wasn't mm-hmm. um, and I actually went to my track coach and had a conference with him with my with my father and apologize immensely and sorry for the blow up and things like that. And kind of took a look at myself and said, Hey, so you can't take yourself too seriously sometimes. And you also have to know that you're not above the team. Um, So amongst that time when I was kicked off, I actually went to another coach. His name is uh, coach Adams. So coach Adams was a coach at Hunter high school. And my dad and him had a good, um, rapport because my dad was a coach at Hunter College. So during um, that time, I was actually not on a track track team. I actually got a lot better, like a lot better. I probably gained 10 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, get, cut down my 200 speed about five seconds. Um, that's when exactly I learned how to run, run that bank on the armory, cut down my 400 400 time down 10 about 10 seconds um and had access to all these different types of equipment at the hunter college that i didn't have when i went to uh my school which is transit tech which was trans tech high school so um needless to say for that um after i got done with having him as a coach and then also i had my dad as a coach which pushed me even further i went back on to the senior uh, senior year went back on transit tech team because uh, I was able to come back on. And that's when we won the state championship. It took me to have a blow up, took me to apologize. And it took me to explore other coaches to reach that pinnacle of uh, winning a championship. That is awesome. I'm glad you shared that story because it goes to show that there will be obstacles 
to overcome in life as in sports, you know, and we have to learn to navigate these uh, ups and downs in order to be successful at whatever it is that we do. So I'm really glad you shared it with uh, with us. And uh, I remember my coaches well. They, they made uh, an impact on me. And uh, some of the lessons that I learned about life, about running, about competition, about teamwork, I still remember from those high school days. That's how important coaches were and how much of an impact that they can make on a young person. Moving on, after high school, I kind of hung up my running shoes, as I like to say, hung up my spikes, didn't run anymore. <laughs> I discovered other activities, which were far more interesting. So at that point, I focused on college, career, and the ladies, of course. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that I was like, the activities is called women. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how we used to think. But uh, at what point did you leave the competitive running life behind and say, hey, you know, now it's time to move forward and do other things? In college, um, I actually got on a team where the coach was, uh, used to coach some of my high school teammates in Jamaica. And mm-hmm. he was like prolifically known for coaching these monsters of track athletes. And I was like, okay, perfect. This just happened to be, I went to HBCU, John C. Smith University. Um, and he happened to be the coach. So I was like, perfect. I can get in with him and I can start training. I went to about maybe six or seven training courses. I was like, college is completely different from high school. You have to yes. immerse yourself in in holistically and I was like hmm I again I had the I did the same idea as you the the women uh, mm-hmm. and the college lifestyle <laughs> the was parties. just kind of like exactly interrupting my whole flow and I was like hmm should I go to track practice today or should I you know meet everybody on the block and have a good time yes. um, and that superseded everything and then when I was uh, in, in my sophomore year of college, I became a member of um, Five Days Signal Fraternity Incorporated, and I was at a um, a step competition. And one of our things is that we jump off the stage after the um, the step show, mm-hmm. and I jumped too far and too fast and tore my ACL. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, so I told my ACL there, and that kind of like ruined me from uh, track for at least a year. So I kind of took junior year off, and I was like, I'm not going back senior year. So that's when I officially kind of hung up, like you would say, hung up my spikes. Yeah. But I did um, venture out to when I went back home for for like summer break and spring breaks. I would um, coach kids underprivileged youth out in Manhattan, basically just, Hey, there was, it was a park park, New York city parks mm-hmm. and recreation club. And it was just for kids three to about seven. And we coached them um, Tuesdays and Thursdays about track and field. And I went and participated in that um, every, every time I went back to school. So I was like, if I can't run track anymore, at least I'm going to give, my time and my space to help the younger, the youth get a part of it and become immersed in it. That's great. That's what it's all about, giving back. And that's why I, what I love so much about running is that I'm able to give back some of the uh, things that I've learned, some of the knowledge that I've acquired over the years. So that's, uh, I think it's great that you did that. Decades later, 
here I am running more than ever. When I was in high school, I hated distance, but now I'm running distance because I enjoy the camaraderie, the age group competitions, the opportunity to just simply stay healthy and to better my best. I like being out there and breathing the air and knowing that, hey, I can do this. What about you, Drew? What's next for you as far as running and fitness? First and foremost, you are speaking to my heart about hating long distance running in high school and college. Yes. I don't care. <laughs> I hate, 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 hated cross country. Yes. And my coach used to make us, and the coach used to make you do that just to keep you, you know, fit for you know, indoor and outdoor. And I used to hate cross country. I was like, why am I running a mile and a half? Like, yes, yes, exactly. Same here. And, in, in the woods and it, like uh, we used to run this park called Van Cortland Park and it used mm-hmm. to be the most woody hilly area and then Prospect Park we used to run to it used to be the most hilly and I used to be like oh my god it's 12 and this is in the middle of New York so it's like 20 degrees at one point and you have a leotard on trying to run in the woods I never understood that but <laughs> <laughs> but to um, to your question um, right now I am doing a lot of running just for fitness, um, like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I am trying to this year, last year was my goal was to run the New York city marathon, but obviously things occurred that made us not be able to, Of course, um, and, and I was, I was literally on the list and everything, what, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but eventually that's my, that's my, um, bucket list is to run the New York city marathon. Um, and this year I want to run the uh, Novant Marathon here in Charlotte, and I'm also doing um, Spartan races. So I'm trying to get a Spartan race. If nobody knows, is a they have three tiers um, to meet the trifecta. There's the sprint, the beast, and the super. The sprint is about a five. It's about a five k. The super is about a ten k, and then the beast is about a half a marathon. And they all in between all the running, there's a about fifteen to thirty obstacles that you have to overcome as well. So that's kind of like adding my running aspect and also my working out and physical endurance as well, where I'm pairing to succeed in those events as well. So I have that's my awesome. first one. Yeah, my first one here, April 12th in Charlotte um, for Charlotte Sprint Week Spartan and going to try to knock that out. So I've been trying to knock out four miles every other day um, just so I can prepare for the endurance part of the race. That's great. Well, I wish you well in your running journey as you continue to better your best. And, uh, And you know I can't not talk about podcasting, right? Because that's one thing we have in common. So we're going (laughs) to jump right into the podcasting world. Um, I love your podcast, Drew versus the world podcast, to which I'm a subscriber. I love your format. Your guests are great. You chose an interesting name for the podcast, Drew versus the world. Is there a special meaning to the name? And when, when and why did you start podcasting? So to the first question of, um, is there a special meaning to the name Drew versus the World? Um, it really kind of came out of the understanding that I really wanted to get into people's journey and to understand how they dealt with this thing we call the world. How did they huh. get up every day and wake up and interact with different people, different situations, different environments, different obstacles, um, and 
become the person who they are now. So that's why it was Drew versus the world, because I always think of myself when I wake up in the morning, like, how am I going to tackle this world today? Because it just doesn't come with internal struggles. There's also outside obstacles that affect your day-to-day ambitions as well. Yes, I I agree. Exactly. And it's really everybody in this world that creates a sustainable living space for you, your family, things like that. So I thought that bringing people on and learning from them, which I love, love, love doing, I think I learned more than I can even imagine from my guests. I I hope they take away something from me, but I learned so much from my guests every time I have them on. And that helps me traverse this thing we call the world even better every day. That's an awesome perspective. I love it. And each, yeah, as and you said, each person brings a different perspective to the show and mm-hmm. uh, you learn from it. The audience learns from it and we're all the better for it. Yeah, 100%. And um, I think the next question was, when did I get to podcasting? Yes. Yeah. So I got into, I got, the reason why I got into podcasting was um, I actually wanted, I'm actually a tech guy. I have a tech background, mm-hmm. very, very technical um, and I love the arts, man. I, I just love yeah. some of the art. There's something about that world that's so foreign to me that I appreciate and I admire it so much. And I was trying to find niche within that space, try to be a part of. So I tried photography, I tried painting, I tried drawing, I tried all these things amongst you know my life achievements, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was like, hmm podcasting i love podcasts i've been listening to podcasts for about 10 15 years mm-hmm. and it kind of mirrors the two things i like to do it's kind of an art because after you you know shut the mic you have to do you know your social media posts you have to edit it you have to do um understand the formatting you want to do so it's a little bit artistic but it's also technical because you using these different types of uh products and softwares and things like that. So emerge both of the things I really love to do. So I was like, Hey, this is perfect. Why not do, do something like that? I love talking to people. I could talk. One thing my mother will uh, tell anybody, I could talk to a brick wall and, <laughs> and get a great conversation from the brick wall and me and the brick wall walk away having, you know, learn from something from one another. Oh, sure. You have <laughs> um, to love to talk to podcasts for sure. Exactly, which probably everybody's hearing now that I'm uh, just keep on talking over and over again. But <laughs> um, that's that's the real reason why I got into it. It was a pursuit of trying to get into something that was artistic um, and try to be a little bit more out there with myself and learn more from others, like I said before. And I got into it um, around May of 2018. That was when my first episode dropped. Uh, with Randall, um, which is one of my close friends um, and a local Charlotte rapper originally from Maryland. And we literally did it with lapel mics on somebody's couch, on our phones. The audio is garbage, Mm -hmm. but I keep it, I keep it up there. I could, I could like take it down and edit it up and make it sound good. Like it does, like my episodes sound now, but I keep it there for, Again, again, humility yes. and know where I know where I came from, know how I began it began there. If I ever become somebody, hopefully, uh, knocking on wood, 
I know that, hey, I came from humble beginnings and now I'm here now and never take that for granted. That's great. I agree with you that uh, when we go back and look at our first few episodes, we see so many things that we could have done differently. So it's a process. So just leave it there and it shows that you're growing. I know you have some specific goals for yourself as well as the podcast. What direction are you looking to take the podcast, Drew versus the World, in 2021? Oh, man. Um, so this year I am trying to get 100 guests on and I'm trying to be a guest on 50 other podcasts. Um, and this was the arbitrary goal that I actually got from Clubhouse. One gentleman okay. on there. Yeah, his name was Mike and he was going for the Guinness World Record of podcast um episodes and i was like oh man i'm i don't have the time and or the energy or want to go for the world record the guinness world record but i wanted to associate myself with a goal that felt tangible i was like this 52 weeks in a year uh and there's you know i, I release the episode every week huh, let's time that by two let's give me an even number 100. Let's do 100. So I set That's that great. as my goal and I'm trying to pursue it now. And it's been a great, 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 great journey of getting using Clubhouse as a resource, actually, to get people booked as guests on my um, podcast. Clubhouse is a great resource. And I have a goal similar to you, but one of my goals for this podcast is to interview a runner in each of the 50 states. So I think right now I have about seven states down. <laughs> So that's a big and lofty goal. You know, they say that if I read somewhere that is that if your goal don't scare you a little, it's not big enough. So it's OK to set big goals. So even if we don't get there necessarily, we'll be way beyond where we could have gotten if we didn't set it. Man, it's been really a pleasure talking to you, Drew. I'm sure we have to do a part two. It seems that I, I feel as if there's so much more to talk about, <laughs> you know. Now that I know that you have the Caribbean background, that your parents were track athletes or track manager, and uh, you're from the Brooklyn area, uh, I recommend your podcast, which is uh, on Instagram. I like how you've incorporated video into your podcasts, and I'm looking forward to trying that out myself. I think it's great. So tell the audience where they can find your podcast on the web and any other projects you need us to know about. Hey guys, this is Drew from Drew vs. the World. Um, you can find me at www.drewbstheworld.com. That's www.drewbstheworld.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Drew vs. the World Podcast. Um, I'm on all streaming platforms Apple Podcasts, Google um, Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts now, and Spotify. So just uh, listen up. Um, episodes coming out like hotcakes. Um, please subscribe, like, and review, and give me any feedback that you guys have. I will. I love, love, love feedback. So again, this is Drew from Drew versus the World, and uh, thank you so, 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 so much for having me on. This has been a great. I listen to your podcast a lot, actually, because of my running background, and this has been great. So great. Such a such a great time. We definitely have to do a part two. Definitely, Drew. I wish you all the best moving forward. And we also have to uh, perhaps host a room on Clubhouse sometime. I think that would be a great experience for listeners as well. And really enjoyed the uh, conversation, Drew. Uh, good luck Let's moving forward. Let's do it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again. Be well. Take care, Drew. Thank you. You too. Take care now. 
you are listening to the Rookie Runners Podcast. Be inspired to be a better runner today. And remember, you're always your toughest competitor. We run to find some part of ourselves yet undiscovered. Embrace the process and enjoy the journey. And now, stepping back to the mic, here is Ray Gerard. Welcome to segment three. This is where we wrap things up. Really enjoyed talking to Drew Milton. Brought back some memories from when I was in high school on the track, cutting things up, doing my thing. (laughs) You learn so much as a high school athlete. When you participate in competitive sports, it really informs your perspective of what life is all about. Just the overall competitive nature of it and the camaraderie. Pushing yourself to do your best. Yeah, for sure. In fact, I can still recall some of my coach's advice on the track and off the track. Some things that he said to me, I still remember to this day, decades later. Let's keep the conversation going, folks. You can find the program on Instagram at Rookie Runners Podcast, Facebook at Rookie Runners, Twitter at Runner underscore Rookie. And of course, send me a direct message on Instagram. You can find me also on Anchor, that is Rookie Runners Podcast slash Anchor. If you click on message, you could actually leave me a voice message right there. So definitely use that if you wish. The show is also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, among others. Wherever podcasts are played, you will for sure find the Rookie Runners Podcast. And as I always say, until the next time, stay safe, be well, and run happy.